Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly, and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. Today we're going to talk about dividend investing, and this might be a little bit of a therapy session for myself just because of all the information out there. There's just a ton of just wrong information on the internet about dividend investing, so I want to talk about some of the myths and some of the problems with dividend investing today. As I mentioned earlier, dividend investing is one of the most misunderstood parts of investing. As a financial planner, I've been in many meetings with prospective families who have different levels of investment education. I often find people think dividend investing is magic. It must be the end-all be-all of investing. Unfortunately, many of the closely held beliefs people have about dividend investing are wrong. The internet is buzzing with articles about how to find dividend-paying stocks, creating a desire to live off only dividends instead of selling parts of your portfolio, and creating a false sense of security that dividends provide. Let me dispel some of the myths of dividend investing and seven problems with dividend investing. Problem number one, dividends increase your taxes. The first problem with dividend investing is that it increases your taxes in a brokerage account. The taxes are usually not an issue in a tax-advantaged account, such as an IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, but in a brokerage account, dividends can increase your taxes. When a dividend is paid, you're taxed on it whether you reinvest the dividend or take it as cash. It doesn't matter whether you leave it in the brokerage account or take it out, it will be taxed. How it is taxed depends on whether it is qualified or non-qualified. Qualified dividends are taxed at preferential capital gains tax rates. Non-qualified dividends are taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Capital gain tax rates are 0%, 15%, or 20% depending on your other income and which bracket you fall into. And that's an important distinction there because your capital gains tax bracket is different from your ordinary income tax rates. Ordinary income tax rates range between 0% and 37%. In order for a dividend to be qualified, it must be one, issued by publicly traded US companies, and two, an investor must own the stock for more than 60 days out of a 121 day period beginning 60 days before the X dividend date. That is mouthful to get across. Really, that is a complicated way of saying, in general, if you have held the stock for more than a few months, the dividend will likely be qualified. Certain funds usually do not pay qualified dividends, such as REITs, MLPs, and bond funds. They normally pay non-qualified dividends that are taxed at ordinary income rates. Now that you know more about how dividends are taxed, let's look at an example. Let's say you're in the 15% capital gains bracket and earn $10,000 worth of qualified dividends in a brokerage account. Whether you reinvest the $10,000 worth of dividends back into the stock, take the $10,000 as cash and leave it in the account, or distribute the $10,000 to your bank account, you will be taxed on the dividends. Your tax bill, assuming you're in the 15% bracket, will be approximately $1,500. Now, 
You may be thinking, who cares? I don't mind paying taxes. At least I'm getting dividends. I'll address that in the next two problems. Problem number two, dividends are forced taxation. Would you rather pay 15% in taxes on the growth in your portfolio in the year that you earn it or when you choose to pay it? Personally, I know my answer. I want to choose when to pay it. Dividends are forced taxation. If you have a higher income year and want to reduce your tax liability, you can't. You can't control when you receive the dividends, which means you can't control when you are taxed on the dividends. Who wants to be forced to pay taxes? One of the biggest pain points for people in retirement is taxes. Most people want to know how to reduce their taxes and make sure they are doing everything possible to pay what they are legally obligated, but not tip the IRS. Dividend investors are better tippers to the IRS. With careful planning, you can better control your tax situation. If you can reduce your income, that may allow opportunities for Roth conversions to reduce taxes over your lifetime. I'm not a fan of dividend investing because it's forced taxation that doesn't allow you as much flexibility with how you control your income. I'd much rather control when I am taxed. What do you prefer? Now, you may still be thinking, okay, I'm taxed on what I'm earning. That's okay. It's free money. As long as I keep earning it, I can support my lifestyle. Let's talk about that myth for a moment. Problem number three, dividends are not free money. Let's talk about yield versus return. Dividends are not free money. They don't magically come out of thin air. As the old adage goes, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Let's look at a simple example. If company A is worth $100, has no debt, and pays a $5 dividend, how much will it be worth after it pays the dividend? The answer is $95. After the company pays $5, it has $5 less on its balance sheet. It can't pay the $5 dividend and still be worth $100. If it could, that would be like, me giving you $5 out of the $100 in my wallet and still thinking I have $100 in my wallet. I don't, I just gave you $5. The reason people get confused about dividends not being free money is that stock prices move constantly while the stock market is open. It's harder to see on the day that a company pays a dividend that is declining in price by the same value because other forces are at play. If really positive news comes out on the day the company pays a dividend, it may go up by a similar amount. For example, if company A announces they have a new partnership in the works that will be positive for the company, they may go up in value by $5 on the same day they pay a $5 dividend. If you just looked at the stock on that day, you might think that you have the same company worth $100, but you also received $5 as a dividend. It, ac it actually looks like the dividend was magically paid in that situation, but that's not what happened. If the dividend hadn't been paid, the stock likely would have been worth $105, you have the $100 plus the $5 increase in price. In either case, you have $105. If the company pays a dividend, you have the $5 dividend plus the $100 in a share of company A. If the company doesn't pay a dividend, you have the $105 in a share of company A. This brings me to my next point. Dividend yields do not equal return. People often confuse dividend yields and return or price appreciation. Remember how I said you can better control how you are taxed if you don't focus on dividends? You can better control how you are taxed by focusing on price appreciation. Price appreciation is the key here. When a stock goes up in a brokerage account, you are not taxed on it. If a stock goes up $10,000 in a brokerage account, you're not taxed on the $10,000 until you sell. I know that seems basic, but let's break it down further. People should care most about their total return, which are the dividends, 
plus price appreciation. For example, if company A pays a 4% dividend and appreciates 6%, they have a 10% total return. To make the numbers more concrete, let's say company A is worth $100 again. Company A paid you $4 in dividends and appreciated $6 in the first year. How much is taxed? As you learned earlier, $4 will be taxed at capital gains rates, assuming it's a qualified dividend. If you're in the 15% capital gains bracket, you'll pay $0.60 cents in taxes. The $6 you earn from price appreciation won't be taxed until you sell. It doesn't sound bad with smaller numbers, but let's do this on a portfolio level now. Let's assume you have a million dollars in a brokerage account and earn 4% in dividends and 6% in price appreciation. Now you have $40,000 in dividends, leading to a tax bill of $6,000. The other $60,000 earned through price appreciation is not taxed. It feels a little worse now, right? What if, instead of earning dividends, you earned the entire 10% through price appreciation? So nothing through dividends in this example. Then, you don't receive any dividends and get to choose when you recognize the $100,000 gain. If you're trying to create lower levels of income, perhaps you only sell $40,000 and recognize approximately $4,000 in capital gains. In that situation, $4,000 in capital gains will be taxed at 15%, meaning you owe about $600 in taxes. Instead of paying $6,000 in forced taxes through dividends, you cut your portfolio tax bill to $600 in taxes through focusing on price appreciation. I'd much rather receive the majority of my return in the form of price appreciation, not dividends. Dividends don't magically increase your return or make your income safer. They aren't free money, but they are forced taxation. A better way to invest is to focus on total return. Price appreciation allows for more flexibility in how you recognize income and can be used to plan your income year to year for tax planning purposes. Problem number four, dividend stocks are not a bond substitute. No matter how many times you read it online, it doesn't make it any more true. Dividend stocks are not a bond substitute. Bonds are typically used for income and to reduce the ups and downs of the portfolio. They're not meant to be drivers of growth. To put it in perspective, Let's look at how one dividend ETF, and I'm just using the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation ETF, ticker VIG here, performed compared to an aggregate bond ETF, the iShares Core US Aggregate Bond ETF, ticker AGG, during market turmoil. This isn't a recommendation for either ETF. I'm simply using them to show that bonds normally don't decline in value as much as stocks during stock market declines. Now, I have a graph on my website here, but I'll try to describe it for you. The first one looks at the COVID pandemic. So we're looking at it in March of 2020, and we're seeing that the bonds did decline. They declined about 5%, a little more than that, but the dividend stocks declined about 25%. Those are two very different experiences for investors. If you had a million dollars invested in each, you would have about $950,000 invested in bonds, and about $750,000 invested in the dividend stocks near the lows. That is quite the difference. The other graph I show shows the performance of the same ETFs during the financial crisis in 2009. In this situation, bonds primarily held their value. You don't see much of a change in the chart, but the dividend stocks, they declined about 25%. So you can see, again, major difference between experiences and that dividend stocks are not bond substitutes when it comes to risk. If an investor wants to take more stock risk and is comfortable with the ups and downs, that's okay. 
But dividend stocks are not a substitute for bonds. I go back to my earlier point that if an investor wants to take more stock risk, why not invest it in a way that focuses on price appreciation? That way you get to control how you are taxed. Problem number five, dividends reduce what the company can reinvest for growth. Another reason I don't like focusing on dividend investing is that companies that pay dividends have less money to reinvest for growth. They're admitting that they don't have ideas to increase the value of the company, which usually means they're done growing as fast. Another way to look at it is that they're saying, we don't have a responsible way to use the money and it would be better in your hands. Then you become responsible for deciding what to do with that income, whether it's investing it or spending it. Since dividend companies tend to be more mature, their better days are usually behind them, and this shows up in performance. I looked at a chart of dividend stocks versus the S&P 500 as an example, and the S&P 500 significantly outperformed the dividend investing stocks. I'd much rather invest in companies that are reinvesting profits, being innovative, and have more potential for price appreciation. Problem number six, focusing only on dividend stocks reduces diversification. Another often forgotten aspect of focusing on dividend stocks is that you're excluding a whole universe of stocks. In fact, FINRA reported that in 2015, about 84% of the companies in the SP500 index paid dividends. In the Standard & Poor's mid-cap index, it was about 70.5%, but for the Standard & Poor's small-cap index, only about 54% were paying dividends. Let's look at an example as of April 2022. I'm going to do my own analysis here. If I screen for domestic companies trading on the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, and using Schwab's stock screener, there are approximately 4,548 companies available in that screen. If I screen for companies that don't pay a dividend, there are 2,826 companies available. That means there are about 62% of companies that don't pay dividends. Can you imagine only focusing on about 38% of the investable stocks if you're trying to be diversified? If you're only focusing on dividend investing, you're leaving out many companies. Plus, you're likely leaving out stocks from certain segments of the market. For example, you likely would have less of an exposure to small cap stocks. As noted earlier, only 54% of small cap stocks were paying dividends in 2015. When I do the screening today, it's about 52%. Not much has changed. Historically, Small cap stocks have performed better than large cap stocks over longer periods of time, so by excluding them, you may be lowering your return. Focusing exclusively on dividend stocks means you're not as diversified as you could be. Problem seven, dividends are not guaranteed. Lastly, and perhaps most importantly, dividends are not guaranteed. People talk about dividend stocks as if they are guaranteed to go on for forever, but there are many examples of stocks cutting their dividends and even going bankrupt. Oftentimes, dividends are cut or reduced with no notice. Worse, the stock price can drop, sometimes significantly, at the same time dividends are cut or reduced. There are many stocks people thought were safe bets because they had been paying a dividend for a long time or consistently made money. With hindsight, it's easy to say, of course, I wouldn't invest in that type of stock. I'd sell it before things got bad. That's what many people think, but yet that's not what often happens. You can ask investors in General Motors. They paid a dividend for several decades up until 2006 when they reduced their dividend, and then in 2009 declared bankruptcy. What about Washington Mutual? It was a huge financial institution with a growing dividend until they declared bankruptcy in 2008. People lost a lifetime of savings. You also have BP. It looked solid as a dividend-paying company until the Deepwater Horizon spill. The stock dropped considerably, 
and the company suspended their dividend for over half a year. People normally will say this won't happen to them, that they have a solid company. Yet, who can control what happens in the world? Who can control how consumer habits change, whether someone commits fraud, or how the world will respond to a crisis? Dividends are not guaranteed. It's not a regular income stream you can count on. Final thoughts and a question for you. Dividend investing has been popular for a long time, but it seems to come in and out of favor depending on what is happening in the world. I'm not a fan of dividend investing. Not only do dividends increase your taxes, but they are forced taxation. As a financial planner, I prefer investing in a way that allows for more tax planning. Dividends are certainly not free money. Your total return is what you should care most about, and I prefer most of my return to come from price appreciation, not dividends. Although people may claim you can hold dividend stocks as a bond substitute, you now know the risk is not the same. When a company pays a a dividend, they're admitting they don't have good ideas to grow your money. Over time, we've seen dividend stocks as a whole have worse performance. Lastly, dividends are not guaranteed. Please don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I'll leave you with one question to act on. Which problem with dividend investing will you remember the next time you read an article about the benefits of dividend investing? Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of Kindness Financial Planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication, and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.